Hi, this is Jim, and this is Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. And welcome everybody to another week of Second Chance Moped Podcast. I'm kerfuzzled, not gonna lie. Um, I had phone issues this week. I'm getting over my illness. I um, had a friend stay in my house all week as and they cleaned a little bit but then they thought it'd be funny to hide all my pots on me and like i don't know what she did with them all and i'm gonna have to uh that's all right uh because i got my coffee cups i got to ride a lot of mopeds i got to ride a lot um but i didn't get to ride the one i wanted i blew up one like two months ago and i've been trying to slowly put it together but it's been nice so i've been riding then I almost got it together tonight, and then I realized I'm missing a spark plug boot cap, and then I had issues with the phone. I had to go to the phone store. <sighs> Nobody cares about this stuff, but I feel better about myself when I talk about all this stuff to all the moped world. Um, but, oh, my goodness, I had the ride of rides in Minnesota. Um, yes, two days ago, uh, I just threw a thing out. I'm Baker's has really wrecked me for, like, in city riding like now i don't feel comfortable unless i put like 40 50 miles on a ride easy like i just ugh, i love it like it it changed how i approach riding and i got jake old jake kane out sunday and <laughs> we went a lot of people in the minnesota moped community we went to the jbot show and that was cool and everybody was sitting there chit-chatting with him and i just kind of walked up and said dude i got a bunch of final drive questions for you but i'm not gonna talk moped shit with you here when do you get back into town and he's like about two weeks email me in two weeks so that that made me happy um yeah dude like that ride though like we did like i think we did like something like 70 80 miles and it was perfect fall weather t-shirts rolling like 60 mile an hour like just stupid fast moped speeds like i fucking loved it oh man i just somebody this young kid named garrett eh, he's a casseroler gave me shit he said i had a death wish because i ride moped so fast i'm like nah dude i got a life wish because like there's that weird i don't know there's that weird thing where you, where you, when you go f- to that nine thousand rpm you know, it's that running joke. Life changes at 9,000 RPM. And there is something to that. But um, my guest, I've been kind of watching on Facebook and Instagram a little bit. Like, I see a lot of his unique stuff he has done and is involved in. It's not necessarily all mopeds either. So, like, I'm okay with that. And hopefully, the you know, the rest of you kids are and boys and girls and whatnots. But, like, I just had to get to know this guest of mine, and, like, I'll just have him introduce himself right now. Uh, my name is Al Harpam. Um, I'm originally from uh, San Fernando Valley, uh, Southern California. And uh, my first gas-powered ride was uh, a Vespa Chow. Nice. What year? It, um, I don't remember. I have a picture of it. I have a picture of me on it. Uh, it was rigid. Awesome. Uh, Front and, and rear? All right, uh, Chow's always rigid in the rear, but it was it was rigid up front too. No, it had the suspension in the front. Okay, okay. But, um, uh, and Al, I got to stop you for a second. Is that a kitty in the background? Because we love cats here on Second Chance Moped Podcast. 
Hey, buddy. Oh, hey, buddy. Oh, I love cats. All right, everybody. We got our cat running for the for the podcast. It's going to be a good one. Um, Yeah. So, dude, that's right. Vespa Chow, first moped ever. Like, that's my first. Dude, trans- yeah, my first transportation. And uh, I used to ride it from the San Fernando Valley over the Sepulveda Pass, over Mulholland, into Westwood, and then go right around Hollywood. Oh, wow, dude. Like, I know we got a bunch of listeners out and like, uh, the San Fernando Valley and stuff like that. Like Anthony across Valley, Erico, like I got, I want to get out there and ride. Like, I know there's a lot of straight roads, but there's also a lot of Hills and just rad areas to ride. But like, dude, I got to get out there. Like I hear the, um, land squids are having a rally and I believe see, it's all foreign to me, California. Cause I'm just a Minnesota kid. So like, I got to get out and ride there though, dude. Like, well- uh, the land squids are central. Like I'm in Fresno now. I grew up in Southern California, but I'm in uh, Central California now. And Sacramento is north of us, still in Central California. We're like Central California is a giant ag producing area. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the Midwest on mm-hmm. the west. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, they have uh, a river system. They have sa- uh, Sacramento is like another world. They have all these old bridges and you're running against like, I mean, they're, I mean, and the land squid, they're fast riders. Uh, the, the creatures of the loin would come out. They'd go, they would alternate back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so the creatures would come out and support them as well. So it's always like, you know, a good bunch. Um, and uh, they have the lost boys out there. They got actually yeah. a couple. Yeah. They got a couple moped clubs in Sacramento. So it's kind of banging. Fresno is deader than a doornail. Oh, <laughs> dude that's that sounds about like my luck with some stuff like you're you're close but not quite there um so so here on second dance moped podcast we go through people's moped journey or we can do scooter if you wish you know whatever uh you know first time they saw it you already talked about that uh middle part and what it's like today so al you talked about the very first time you rode one um do you remember was that like the first time you saw it or like like how did was it how did that all come to be? Was it like, here's a moped, what's this? Or like, did you always kind of remember seeing them growing up out there? Well, it was the 70s, so the gas yeah. crunch. So, I mean, they had them in the shows. I mean, Charlie's Angels were riding them. I mean, everybody's riding a moped, right? It was in vogue, especially mm-hmm. for Southern California. Um, but this one came from my cousin. Um, and then a couple of my friends got them. And it's funny because my friend got a motorbicane. I just, you know, the, the single-speed chow. And my friend had a motorbicane, and it was so fast. It oh, yeah, dude. Unbelievably fast and reliable, too. Uh, let's see. There's a, that's our other little kitty cat right there. Oh, hey, kitty, kitty. Yes, people, we're having cat chat in the middle of a podcast because, uh, you know, <laughs> I, tried to give, I tried to give that idea to Moped Monday, and I don't think Jason wanted any part of Four Paws of Cat Chat, but, you know, whatever. Um <laughs> But no, dude, that's rad. And I was going to kind of ask you, what was the predominant bikes out in California? Because, like, I have a good family friend who, like, had a moped back in the 70s or late 80s, early 80s, late 70s. And, it was like, it was Iowa. So everything was Pook or Honda. Like, that's mm-hmm. all you saw. Man, that's a tough call because uh, I want to say it was a good variety. I mean, I think that because Los Angeles had so many people on the gas crunch. Uh, they probably had a lot of different distributors because there's so many people in LA okay. and it, and it was like, because they had it in like the movies, they had it in the commercials. I mean, it was like, it was totally acceptable for businessmen to ride mopeds to work because of the gas crunch and all that. 
Uh, so there was like, I mean, there were, I mean, LA probably has, they probably had a ton of like old mopeds to pick from when the revival came back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you talk about having one just for necessity for riding school, stuff like that. Um, and I imagine, were you one of the people that always stayed with like a scooter or a moped throughout your life? Or did you kind of set it down for a while and get kind of pick it back up? Uh, like how, how did that, I'm kind of wondering how the mopeds fit into your life or how did scooters? Cause I see you do a lot of scooter stuff as well. That's why I keep bringing it up. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, so my first original love, I didn't use the moped as uh, transportation as much as getting over the hill and riding around Hollywood and going to like shows and stuff like that. Um, so my first, my first taste of freedom was that chow. So mm-hmm. my heart, my heart is always in the moped. Uh, but my friends, uh, they had 200 CC scooters. The Vespas uh, were my friends and I were uh, part of like the anti-racist uh, mod ska rude boy, traditional skinhead scene of like Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so we were started riding scooters. And at the time, the freeway was 55 miles an hour. So we would literally be able to ride a pack of scooters to like San Diego or to Orange Dude. I mean, oh, so yeah. it was like we were in high school. So this was a crazy amount of freedom and you know, gas was cheap. So you could literally like, I mean, to go out on a, a Friday night to Hollywood, I could put a dollar worth of gas or dollar fifty worth of gas and go get a dollar fifty forty ouncer. And that was nice, like, dude. Yeah. You know, so that would be like in the dollar fifty would get me there and back. You know what I'm saying? Dude, yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, that's still kind of nuts. So like one of my test roads here is a county road in Minnesota. It's like. It's a four lane county road, but like I'm in St. Paul. So like that's the capital of Minnesota. So like it's still very busy. But like one of my sick little pleasures is just getting my hobbit going and like passing cars on this four lane. People like give me like what the fuck kind of like I don't know. Totally. So like it's it and I'm sure you guys got plenty of that with scooters going down the highway, like people just kind of looking at you like you're aliens or something. Absolutely. Yeah, and especially now because uh, there's a handful of them that will do uh, a cannibal run, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's people that like they still like I'm too I've been in too many crashes, so going long distance is just painful for me. But uh, like my friends will ride from like SoCal to San Francisco, or I mean they'll like or they'll go from I mean they still will ride hundreds of miles like to a rally. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, it's always something I wanted to do, but like I'm just so we're so spread out here, like. For like the Midwest, for me, the closest stuff is going to be like either like a ride down in Lawrence, Kansas, or like um, jumping over to Milwaukee for riding with crank pipes, or like a lot of I've been hitting a lot of stuff in Ohio the last year and a half or so. So, like, that's like eight, nine hours. But I mean, I did pin, I did, and that's like bringing a bike with me on the car. But like, I did Baker's this year, which was a trip. I mean, that was following that. Yeah, dude, that was. I'm getting pretty excited for the next year's one. We're starting out in the salt flats, so like, wow. yeah. But um, so you talk about like going to scooter stuff, like how, and you you seem like you kind of have lived both lives, and like, in Minnesota, kind of sucks, and I'll say that because like, there's a huge separate like life pack anything, and like it goes both ways, and like I. I came into the scene way late, so I didn't know all the resentments. So I don't care. 
<laughs> and I'll give scooter people shit and I'll give moped people shit. Like yeah. I'll mess with anybody, but like, what is what did you notice early on like the difference between like riding with scooter people versus like moped people because like in minnesota like right now i can say moped people for the most part it's just like punk rock anarchy run versus like scooter people it's like parade line we're not gonna pass each other it's very <laughs> proper like you're gonna signal all your turns and i don't care if you're gonna run over that person going up a hill you don't pass yeah no that's uh that's that sounds kind of like the automatic scooter group, uh, like the two-stroke shifter group is mm -hmm. more like the moped guys. Although, uh, so after like, you know, um, when I went from the Chow to a Vespa P200, um, then uh, my friends and I, we were like, we were mods. We had like the big lights and stuff like that. And then, you know, things change and whatever. And then so because I would have to take um, one of the canyons over from San Fernando Valley to Hollywood every time mm. I slowly got into calf, I slowly got into canyon racing on my scooter. Okay, explain that to me a little bit, like canyon racing. So canyon racing is like so if you ever look up like the Maholan Snake or Maholan Drive or um Coldwater Canyon or any of these, there's all like famous uh canyons that are that go uh from San Fernando Valley to the Hollywood side. Uh, Maholan Drive is rides on the peak of the of the mountain range. So mm -hmm. you see part of the valley, then you see part of Hollywood, then part of the valley, part of Hollywood. And they used to race back there on, on Maholan Drive um, in the 50s and the 60s. And if you've ever heard the Beach Boys song, uh, Dead Man's Curve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's part of, that's um, sunset uh, towards the beach. So, I mean, there was like racing in the canyons was totally Southern California. And, um, and at least in, in my, you know, in, in my neighborhood and the high school that I went to, uh, people would take like, um, uh, like the small Japanese cars and tub them out and make them like, you know, set up for Canyon racing. So it was kind of like a natural thing. Um, and then from, uh, so then we went from mods to scooter boys and then it was about performance and stuff like that. And then I, that's when I started learning about the, how to, you know, alter the engines uh, and then I ended up taking a break from the scooters because I wanted to go faster and I got into two stroke motorcycles. Okay. Yeah, dude, that that's, that's scary speed there. Like you just all, yeah. Would want to talk about that a bit? Like, well, that... that's at the scoot, the mopeds and scooters are fun. The, the motorcycles are serious fun. Like, <laughs> you, you know, it's like, because the things are different at 80, the bike is heavier. You know, it doesn't, the turning is, all that stuff, you have to turn way earlier. The faster you go, the farther you have to start thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the faster you go, the heavier it gets. That's the uh, the theory of relativity, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's, see, that's what I try to explain to some people. Like, that's what I love about, like, mopeds especially. Like, that. there's something weird about that power-to-weight ratio you get with them that, like, you're on this little bumblebee and you're flying on the edge of the lightning bolt. I always, it sounds cheesy as shit, but it's like, dude, that's the best way I can explain it. Like just edge of the lightning bolt. And I have like, you know, a thousand CC, 1987,000 CC FCR. It'll do 90 miles an hour in second gear and push your eyeballs back in the head. But you know, it's a giant, it feels like you're riding like a, you know, it's giant. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, so the the like riding a, a fast moped uh is completely different experience but equally exciting yeah but your but your life is not totally at risk 
Yeah. Cause at 90, there's nothing you can do. You're going to slow dead. down. The yeah. You can slow down as fast as you can, but if a car steps out, whatever. Right. Yeah. But to scale, doing like 60 70 on a uh, on a moped is like doing 100 plus on a super <laughs> it is yeah. oh yeah dude but, i know yeah so i mean it's you know so then that's why it's like i have a hobbit i have to put together i have uh i have a 103 i gotta put together i've got some super trick stuff from treats uh i gotta i have all the treats cbt i'm running mm -hmm. a wizard kit i'm running a wizard kit 21 carburetor um call it um uh, Maybe go to a 24 because I got the manifold for it, but running the big read, the one of the G104, um, and to, uh, you know, start yeah. there. And then from there, I have a, a case that's set up for a metric kit. I am a huge fan of the metric kit, huge fan. Like, I've got a setup like the bike I was riding on Saturday, man, and I was going 55, 60, and like my temps weren't breaking. 320 like what? like i i'm telling you all you need to do for those metric kits is just dial them back dial that hpi back to 1.5 and mm. just start lightening your weights up and have a good pipe like i got a crank pipe on mine and i think i don't even know which one was on that one to be honest with everybody not even trying to sound like a jerk but like i got a couple i got like a bigger one and a smaller one i think i had a bigger one on Ryan, hit Ryan up. He'll tell you what I run. Um, sure. he'll sell you, he'll sell you a pipe. Like no problem. Like there's, there's shout out for Ryan. Um, yeah. great guy. And like that, that bike just run, it'll run to three ten all day. And like in town two thirty. like it's just, it's ice cold and I love it. What size carburetor? 19. Wow. And then, yeah. uh, is it the stock head out of the box? No, I run. I'm cheating. I'm going all the way uh, Derby. I went Derby, uh, Derby head on that as well. The big uh, Derby metric kit head they'll they'll sell with that metric kit, okay. like that big one. I run that, and yeah. I'm running the B Force Eight pedal raid. Like, yeah, because so I figure. Would you say that? I was gonna say uh, I'm trying to figure out which head. So do you mean it's like the big air cell one? Nope. They had they cut uh treat took a derby head yep. and they drill they had a cast and they drilled it out to fit the hobbit. So that metric kit head yes. that you, that would come with the derbies all the time, they have one for a Honda. Uh yeah, and then just so I don't I'm it's funny because you don't know this, uh and this is gonna be a, a good place to, for you to, to know and understand this. Uh all the custom heads that treat cells yep. are machined by me. Dude, awesome. Thank you. You're do you do an awesome job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I I love that head. That drop because I was running like DRs and I was running this OEM head. And as soon as I put one of those derby heads on, uh it dropped 30 degrees. Like just go with the sport tune. Get your squish right. It and like I've ran both styles, like Get your squish down to like one three, and if you want a really cool like one four, like you're good to go. Like I don't know, one way bearing. I yeah, all day long. Like HF sixteen sixteen. Yeah yeah, <laughs> um yeah dude. I love like I think Charlie Buzzard said it to me years ago, dude. One way the world. Like what? just th yeah. throw a one way bearing, call it good, grease it up. Absolutely. Like, yeah yeah, um. 
because I, I I remember seeing you machine some uh, CVT or CVT parts and stuff like that. Like, how did you like get into building motors? Like, that's one thing I wanted to talk to you more and more about because you build all. I'm assuming from what I've seen, you build all types of two cycle motors. Like, I see you kind of playing with some like water sports stuff and like just everything, dude. And I think that's rad as fuck. Like, they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, originally it was because uh, we couldn't afford, you know, um, we couldn't afford to pay the mechanics. We, you know, you pay after paying, like, take your scooter into the dealer. And have them work on it. You learn. You say, you know what? I'm gonna learn how to do this myself. Because that that guy just, I just spent all my beer money for two weeks on that. You know, having a cable changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so yeah, and then it was just little by little, and then uh, I was able to when I moved to Fresno, I was lucky enough to work for a company called uh, High Rev Engineering, which was a, a racing cart, a two stroke racing cart shop. I heard. Uh, see, I was also in everybody's gonna be sick of this by now but like i used to race go-karts all over the midwest i was a dirt oh. racer so like oh. yeah, yeah like and i'd jump on two cycles every once in a while and that was nuts but like bowler built carts and stuff like that i was sponsored by them out of nebraska so like yeah, yeah. Get set. next you're gonna tell me you're a ra- wrestling fan and i'm gonna hit all my spots for me but um <laughs> that's awesome yeah but so, no uh, cali i never got out and race like i was always hoping to hit some street races out there back in the day but you know it just never wasn't meant to be right um and that's uh yeah that's cool i mean in racing regular that shapes you it does yeah Yeah. it it, uh yeah and that was see for me that was one thing that um really made me fall in love with mopeds because that was there's some weird power to weight ratio that carts have that mopeds have is that light with high high revving motors like there's just some magic thing that happens in me that like i just become happy and yeah. like happened in carts, happened in mopeds. You know, it's in there's uh and there's other I mean the the mopeds aesthetically, I mean there's nothing like it. Um there's other like two stroke engines that are, you know, in small frames and high revving. There's like all kinds of cool like, you know, vintage motorcycles that are mm-hmm. like moped moped like eighty cc motorcycles or rockets, one twenty five, you know, one twenty fives you know, those set up correctly, you can start, you know, you can touch a hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like those 125, uh, dirt bikes, dude, those things were freaking nuts back in the day. Cause they're so light and so snappy. And then put that same kind of power plant, but you know, change for the street in a street frame. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so like you talk about, you're talking a little bit about, um, early days in scooters and mopeds, like, did you start to get outside of California in any of your two wheel adventures for like scooters? Like, cause for like me in the Midwest and a lot of people, like it's all about like the weekly ride or like going to the big rally once or twice a year. Like, did you have that kind of going for you? Did you go to any big scooter deals or big moped deals back in the day or? Uh, well, as far as like mopeds, uh, Tony Simone, uh, who is also, uh, like he's one of our vintage scooter icons as far as like developing uh he was like the backbone of a, a race shop called vespa house and they mm-hmm. were like super, super winning and then so he was i believe you know i don't know all of what goes on in the what went on with motomatic but tony simone is the real 
two-stroke engineer who can like do all the calculations, you know, execute all those calculations in physical form and then make a, the expansion chamber and then make the expansion chamber fit on something, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So um, I don't know what skill level the Motomatic guys had before Tony showed up, but uh, you know, he, I can definitely, he's, he's the one that helped uh, Sacramento with them winning so much. Yeah. I know Mike Rafter, I had him on early show. Um, it's pretty bad. It's me just talking the whole damn time. Like I can't feel like I'm doing now, but um, he had nothing but high praise for Tony Simone. Like he goes, dude, that guy is just rad and awesome. And just, yeah. Put an HPI on anything and just make it rip. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the scooter industry for me was dying. The trolls were just all over me. There's just, I just, you know, it was just time. And so as that was going, I tried to get, you know, into a different part of the vintage industry, which is called the Lombrettos, but it didn't work. So, Cause it's kind of like a Ford Chevy rivalry. Like mm-hmm. if you work, if you work on Vespas, you can't work on Lombretas. And I'm like, the two strokes are all the same. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so as that was closing down, Tony Simone, uh, took me to, uh, the creatures rally. Mm-hmm. That was by far the craziest thing on two wheels I've ever done. Yeah. Ever done. Creatures rally was absolutely, it was so rad. I mean, and so crazy at one point, Tony and I pulled over, it was like, dude, we can't go any further because we're afraid of losing, because we're afraid of our licenses. You know what I'm saying? Because Tony, <laughs> Tony has to professionally drive. He can't lose his license. And it was just getting crazy. And we were part of it, too. We're driving on the side of the street. I mean, it was total mayhem. And uh, and so, anyway, so we ended up having, we broke off of the rally because it was so crazy. Dude, but, that's uh, awesome. But, I mean, we enjoyed, like, I mean, it was awesome. And and what happened, too, is, like, when they when the rally got to wherever their destination was, there was cops waiting for them. That's, <laughs> that's how crazy that rally was, right? Dude, uh, that's, do you remember what rally that, which one that was or what year that was? Yeah, I think it was, like, five years ago or something. Okay. I'm, so, I'm so terrible. Uh, Benji told me, he goes, go to the, go to, uh, he goes, go to this rally. He goes, because the creatures are losing steam. Uh, you know, this is, like, but make sure you make this one because this will be a good one. And that's when, because uh, the Sacramento guys, uh, land squids and um, the creatures would go back and forth. They would alternate. Mm-hmm. Their so they always had like a good group. Yeah. I yeah. got to ride a little, like I got to know Maitland pretty well this summer at Baker's and at Mosquito Fleet. And I got to meet Ryan Montana and like just riding behind Ryan Montana, that boy can just—he just—it's the best. The best way I can describe how Ryan, who is a creature, like rides, is just smooth. Like he just in control and like cut splitting lanes like nothing. And I'm and I'm a Minnesota guy. We don't do that shit. Like Ryan, oh, yeah. I'm just I'm just following Ryan the whole time. Like, god damn, this guy is just one smooth cat. Like, and Ryan's originally from Fresno. Oh, right on. Like, cool motherfucker. That's all I'll say about Ryan Montana. Just cool. Uh, when we were on that, uh, when I was on that Creatures Rally, uh, they were splitting lanes at, like, full blast. I split Jeez. lanes. I split lanes, but I've never split lanes full blast. Yeah. And I mean, it was... That's they what you hear bark. about those old Creature Rallies. Like, dude, they are just... 
and like I I I want to hit one so bad if they have another one. Like you always hear, you know, certain groups you always hear the rumor, oh, it's their last one, and then another one happens. But like I feel really lucky I got out to Mosquito Fleet and got to ride with those guys because they ride like how I like to ride, just wide open, just fuck it. That's uh, Seattle. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, those guys. Those guys were there at the rally. Yeah. Um, so what you say, you, you say, like you said, you machine the heads for treats and stuff like that. Um, what, how did you, what are you, what's your job now? Like, how did you get into like just building motors? Cause I see like you did some, you've built some of the Simonini Vespa motors, correct? Like, correct. Hey, I want to know what the hell. Okay. That's like the unobtainium. Nobody can get it. Seems like in moped world, like, Hey, what were they? How did they become to be? And what happened? Do you know anything about Simonini or like, Oh, well, Simonini is a long time. Uh, I believe that's, uh, Simonini has been part of the two stroke industry for a super long time. Now, I don't know if like, I haven't seen any Simonini racing motorcycles, but like, you know, like Gorelli, mm-hmm. like Gorelli, like, uh, they had, they raced motorcycles, Tomos raced motorcycles, Pook raced motorcycles. Um, so Simonini could have just been like a casting house that was doing like performance uh, support. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The, uh, I'm familiar with the company Simonini, mostly from the expansion chambers that we used on the vintage stuff. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, the first time I'd ever seen the Simonini 90cc engine uh, was in an ad and I asked Benji about it because at the time I had a Vespa Grande. Yeah. And, uh, and I was trying to go, that's, you know, I was trying to go fast. That's all I had. Finally, and then when I got my Hobbit, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on it. Like, <laughs> but um, Benji was like, oh, those motors are super difficult to tune. They blow up all the time. People normally don't, you know, they can't keep them running. And I'm just like, okay, well, less compression, less timing, you know, I don't know. And, um, but anyways, he, Benji was like, maybe it was because I was too new into mopeds. And he's just like, not for you right now, dude. I don't know. But uh, do you know who... Um, Oh my gosh, it's not Aaron. Uh, Andy, do you know who Andy is? Uh, who's part of Treats? But he's yeah, out of Michigan. Is that Detroit? Detroit? Yeah, yeah. I know who. I know Andy. Yeah, funny cat. So, so Andy is the engineer. Yep. All those. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And um, so, anyway, so that disc motor is Andy's. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, and actually, yeah, Andy's Andy, Andy's best friend lives like three miles from me lee pink like lee lee pinkerton so like who gets some of andy's like experimental projects to work on as well um yeah yeah so Uh, okay and i've seen simonini motors and like i don't ever want to ride one because i never want to i don't want to have a freak of a chance to blow them up because they're just no it's just a matter of just making them like most of them are set up for race gas and people use them on the street there's just not enough education out there for them. But if you just set it up for uh, with street gas compression, see, that was the thing. When I came into the uh, the moped industry, all the heads were way too high compression, mm-hmm. all of them. And high compression is the enemy to air-cooled. And mm-hmm. so it's like if you – the end, but people don't realize is that the bigger the belly of the expansion chamber, the more amplitude, the more compression that pipe's going to make. So – and now there's a certain amount of compression that falls off with RPM. So you have to find just the right amount of compression to start with so that when your pipe comes on, it's not doubling down and all of a sudden becomes resistance to RPMs. And then that becomes mixed, starting to heat up. 
So you're the guy who I need to hang out with and just listen to talk all day long. Cause like, this is the stuff that like, I am very, I can, I know a feel I'm looking for in a bike always. I don't necessarily know how to get there and I'll just beat my knuckles against the concrete until I get, get it. And like right now I'm starting to play with French bikes starting to tiny bit, little bit. Yeah. And I got like, a one I got a one of three with the eighties uh, Melosi kit. I have to put together. Well, you saw that Mon- Mondial I picked up two weeks ago, didn't you? I don't know if I saw that. Oh, dude, I'll send you a picture of it. I, um, I'll do, and I'll give this secret to anybody because I don't care because I don't look for mopeds anymore. I yeah. just typed in Pook in um, Facebook Marketplace, and like I'm just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. All of a sudden, all of a sudden I see this blue thing. I'm like, what the fuck? And I kind of widen out, and I just hit the guy up. I go, "How much do you want for that?" And he told me, I'm like, oh, yeah, sold. And like, it was a Mondial. Like, I got it for cheaper what's than the, I get Hobbits. What's the, a Mondial? Badavis Mondial. It's the sister bike to the Grand Prix that has a Peugeot 103 motor on it. Wait, that come, that's the way they came? Yeah. Whoa. Okay, because uh, I saw a guy on the Creatures Rally that had a Grand Prix, and he had wrapped it in some kind of, like, metallic. Yep. Uh and, and he had a 103 engine in there, but I thought he swapped it. Nope. I think Clyde or somebody at Treats like last year, because I bought it. Lee and I went out east last year, and I'll send you a link for the whole damn story. Um, we got a couple Grand Prix, and Lee picked up a Mondial. And like, I think it was Clyde or somebody at Treats told me there's, they believe there's only 2,500 of the Grand Prix made, and they have no idea how many mondials are made they're an ultra rare french and i say that in quotation marks french bike even though they were made in holland but with a 103 motor it was like it's just nuts and like oh yeah that blue on there is probably my favorite blue like it just pop it pops just right and like but you know i got i got hobbits to build and a baker's bike to build and you know we'll see if that gets done i got you know, I've got plans for a pook I want to do, but it's like, you know how it is when it comes to bikes. We always have, you know, not enough time and not enough money. Like, that's just the way it goes. Well, this is the way I've done. I have 18. Yeah, so, I think I think I'm but, batting at like 12 right now. So when you come across a deal, you got to get it. So, I mean, exactly. but ultimately, the best way to do it is to try to focus on one, but then that can be expensive. But mm-hmm. so if you're looking for like, i've been putting together these 18 bikes for like 20 years and so they're all so they're all super close yeah newt um so what's your daily rider right now then well if you have a bike it doesn't matter scooter or moped but like if you're going to jump on a bike what are you jumping on the only thing that i have running right now is uh 1978 uh vespa p200 uh, it was given to me uh, by my friend Dave Dubner, who owns Uncle Vito's Pizza in San Francisco. And so, and it used to be the Uncle Vito Pizza race bike. And okay. I actually, I almost lost my leg on it. So oh, wow. Dave, Dave kept the race motor and he was done with a chassis. And I love that bike because uh, it has soul. And part of the reason why it has soul is because Dave and four other guys rode vespa p200s in the mid 90s to the vespa factory in italy for the 40th anniversary and one furthest traveled Dude, so this that's awesome 
Cassidy, one of the bikes blew up in Europe, so I didn't make it, but four of them did, and this is one of them that did. That's that's super 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 rad, dude. Yeah. Um, and like for moped stuff, have you have you you said you hit the Creatures Rally? Have you hit much for rallies for moped stuff? Uh, I want to, and the reason why I haven't is that uh, you know, my wife and I were putting together a business, and so everything is on hold. Oh, yeah. uh, I was able to. I haven't built a Vespa for myself in ten years, and so in 2019, I finally built one for myself. Uh, so next on the block is my Hobbit, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, probably my Vespa small frame, and then after that, possibly a motorcycle. But I would love to do a rally in LA where the you know my old stomping grounds. Yeah, I yeah. would love. I mean, yeah, my that... hob. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry for interrupting. Uh, my Hobbit did really well in San Francisco. I'd geared it right. I'd set it up. It could do wheelies. Like it was, I mean, and it would, it would blast up the hills and anybody that didn't have their moped set correctly were just getting left. Oh yeah. It was so awesome. And I was wearing my seventies, uh, Firigama, uh, moped racing leathers, which are basically like leather pajamas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. Like, That's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, there's nothing. I'm still like single speeds are rad and I dig them. Like there's still nothing set that can speak for a setup bike, you know, just a properly set up a Hobbit. I don't know. Just that just, you know, when it's just riding on that rear tire and just when you're at speed and just almost lifting that front tire the whole time, like they're just, that's one of the greatest feelings in the world for me. I don't know. Well, you know, it's funny because like it's it's easier to do that on a moped. Everything else becomes more difficult. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So you can have that experience of that right on the edge, you know, where you're like, you know, lifting or, you know, just you just got that acceleration. You're going to find that on a moped easier, you know, that enjoyment, that level of enjoyment on anything else. Because when it gets bigger, it's got to go faster. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's, uh, uh, it just becomes more dangerous, I guess. Oh no, totally agree with you on that. Like speaking of dangerous, like I was talking to people and like, I didn't think about it that much. Like this year, Baker's going down uh mountain hood, going into Portland. I had no rear brakes. I had front brakes only. Like everyone's like, what? That was a terrible. I'm like, don't worry. They were disc brakes. So I was good to go. Like, yeah, um, I got to I have a uh, old drum off of like uh, actually it's off of a Honda NS50, but it's so dialed in. I mean, I can pull a stompy. You know what I'm saying? But but does anybody have brakes on their rear? Ho- I mean, does anybody have rear brakes on their Hobbit? I mean, does they're anybody? Su- they're suggestive. You know, they're kind of there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like but, I'm pulling your brake because it it just you know it's just a little more resistance that's why i always jokingly said like i remember one year like i had no bikes with rear brakes and that was my winter goal is to have bikes with rear brakes right <laughs> um so what is one of your you talked about it a little bit but like when it comes to building um moped motors what's some of the bigger mistakes you see people make on them like you talked about you know, backing down the timing, backing down the compression. Like, what are some of like stuff like that just for people who are listening? Because I truly know you know what you're doing when it comes to motors. Um, do you have any like simple, simple things like that to kind of dial into people? 
uh yeah it's uh, uh try to do the research if you're gonna buy a kit uh do the research and understand that if it's a kit that comes all together in a box uh most likely it's set up for race gas so i mean you can back the timing off you can you know upjet uh, but you're still always going to be dealing with a cylinder that has too much compression and you're going to be fighting temperature spikes because the compression is meant for race gas, which is super lazy. Race gas is super lazy. That's why it doesn't ignite under those crazy conditions. So if they can do enough research to find the right kind of head for their application, um, then uh, like, and it's funny too, because I, I need to kind of go back and, write comments on all these different heads and stuff like that because uh our super street is like the performance but the sport touring uh has uh, a lower compression ratio um but it's actually more tolerant to a more efficient pipe so if you have high compression and a really efficient pipe you'll end up building too much uh cylinder pressure and it can be resistance to rpms and it just will build uh temperature and then mm -hmm. a temperature and then all of a sudden you're lean, you know, you're, when your temperature goes up, your jetting is going to go lean. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a matter of, of trying to do the research. I know a lot of these things don't come with, you know, detailed instructions or some kind of translation. Um, and, but just understand that most, anything that comes out of a box with the head and the cylinder, it's probably, unless stated, you know, street, uh, it's probably going to be for race gas and people buying those kits, not knowing that, that's specifically made for race gas are always going to suffer. They're probably going to have cylinder damage, uh, but, or they're just going to be frustrated because they can't control the temperatures with, with pump gas, mm -hmm. no matter, you know, you jet it when then, you know, now you're, you have something that's unreliable because it's so over jetted and it has to come up to operating temperature in order for that jetting to apply. Then, you know, it's just wackiness. So it's just in general, uh, people want to associate high compression with performance and high compression is performance for four strokes. High compression is performance for two strokes that use mufflers and also static or advanced timing. But that's another kind of power. It's actually kind of like a modern four stroke power uh, using high compression. You have that immediate torque and then you have an ignition that advances, which keeps that compression going, which keeps that compression going. Uh, keeps the torque going as the RPMs built. Uh, and then, so that's just another, so the vintage scooters, everybody's about expansion chambers. Now everybody's going to what they call a box pipe and using static ignitions instead of the auto retard ignitions. And it'd be interesting to see if the mopeds, uh, I've talked to Benji about that, uh, if the mopeds will go that direction too, because it's a different kind of power plant. And because using a muffler, it's quiet. Yeah, but you know what? There's still that punk rock kid in me that loves to see like the moms and kids plug their ears. But no, it'd be nice to have. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, how old are you? Forty. <laughs> okay. Well, so I mean, and I have a G. I have a G one hundred four on my Hobbit, so I'm yeah. like you know, right. But uh, I'm just saying is that there are people that I know that live in neighborhoods where mm -hmm. they. They get so much heat that they don't even they don't enjoy riding their moped anymore because they get so much backlash. Yeah, dude, uh, and I'm an asshole. I'll be the first one to admit, like I'm an asshole like that. Like I'm not normal. It would be nice to have like a quieter bike. I won't lie about that. And, but you know what? And so check this out too. So 
because you know I run a gym, uh, a Jim Lewis pipe on my Vespa 200, which got a Polini kit, it's a 208. But you know I have neighbors, and I'm 54, and I don't want to. You know, when you're younger, you can be like, screw you, you know. But I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'm sorry, you know. So what I ended up figuring out was to take the uh, the silencer, and to this is borrowed technology from a company called uh, Motomo. Motomo was a, a an, uh, an expansion chamber company that was made for shifter carts. Okay. And so what it is, it's a silencer. When you look inside the silencer, we had a Motomo and we took it to my friend's motorcycle shop so he could help us dial it in because he specialized in the 125s. And uh, we just could not believe how quiet this cart was. And he goes, this has to be an interference style muffler, you know, that you doesn't go all the way through. And uh, so we took, you know, we just, dis- we disconnected the silencer from the the stinger and sure enough it went through but when we shined a light in there there was a big cavity so when the when the when the pressure came out of the silencer it went into this big volume and then went back down into the regular uh silencer stinger volume or diameter right Mm. and so that when i was explaining to my friend who's an engineer he said oh well that's probably a cross cancellation chamber so when the sound right so in the sound, this I mean, they it just depends on how deep you want to go. So, anyways, no, so dude, what, I'm I'm there with you. I might not follow you the whole way, but I'll fucking try. Okay. So anyway, so what he was saying is that as the sound wave goes into that chamber, it gets reflected at the right time to cancel the next sound wave coming in. Okay, I dig that. Yeah, yeah. So it gets reflected at a specific. So the shifter carts come up to an RPM and then shift. So they're always sitting at a specific RPM, and that's why that particular chamber worked because it was timed to be reflective at that rpm you know so it was the most quiet mm-hmm. uh, but if you go over that it becomes a multiplier mm. so okay so, that yeah that makes a lot of sense so that's almost your rev limiter in a sense if you're running that cart and you notice it getting loud you got to shift right then uh yeah that'd be good definitely uh, so then what i did for my jim loomis is that uh, I took and uh, cut my uh, – actually, you know what? In this case, I didn't. I left the whole stinger, the, the length, but I rolled another piece of perforated that would give me just a thin layer of, of the fiberglass on the outside between the, outs, between the outside of the perforation and the inside of the can. So I still had sound dampening material, but it was thinner on this larger volume. And then when the neck down, it became thicker material, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when the when the sound wave comes out of the stinger, it goes into that larger volume, and so that drops the pressure. The drop of the pressure drops the sound. It drops the tone. So okay. instead of having rap that goes burr, you know, it's just like any kind of like musical instrument. So mm-hmm. I'll change the volume so that it's it's changed the uh, the tone. And I can roll past the cop with an expansion chamber with the silencer that came with it. You know, I can roll past the motorcycle cop and uh, they won't trip. And in California, they want a trip. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what does that do to your cylinder then by changing your silencer? And, I mean, what does that do for, like, cylinder performance? Do you got to change your port timing or do you have to do anything like that? Uh, that's-, that's, a good, uh, that's a good question. Uh, it doesn't have any effect. The silencer mm-hmm. is like, kind of like the last part of the pipe. And, you know, of course, if it was too small, it would cause a problem. And if it's too big, it can't really dampen the sound you know that well um but uh typically most of everything that's happening in the pipe is already done and it's just a pressure bleed off hmm. okay 
no, that's that's inter- that's yeah. I now I'm trying now I'm processing everything and thinking how I can apply it in my um, little world. Um, well, making that change in the shape inside the silencer by giving it a larger volume, just a step up and then steps back down. Just that change in volume will make it quieter. You don't lose any performance. Mm, but your right neighbors on. will your neighbors will love you. <laughs> no, my neighbor like I I have a great neighborhood. I have a great neighborhood because we don't rat on each other here. <laughs> um but well, like I make sure I'm not running bikes past nine o'clock during the weekday. Um I do roll in on Thursdays late because that's moped night. But no, I'm not. I'm when I say I'm a jerk, like I don't run them late. I don't run bikes late at night. I don't sit there and rev them on the stands ever in my neighborhoods. Like, like a nice jerk. I'm a nice jerk. Like I, granted, like I'll let them idle when I'm breaking in. I'll rev them sometimes, but like it could be a lot worse. Neighbors, if you ever listen to this podcast, I could be a lot worse. Um, so like, where is, and that's the thing. Like I always ask people, like. Okay, you know this knowledge, you understand this. Like, when it comes to building motors, like, where did you, was it just talking to other engine builders? Was it readings? Like, where did you kind of start to gain some of this knowledge? Like, that's kind of, because I'm going through, like, front, trying to understand French tech more. Like, where's a good source to start to learn how to, like, volume versus RPMs versus all this stuff? Like, that's, that's kind of the game I'm trying to play. Like, how, what cases should I get for a motor? Blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. So <clears throat> there's a ton of cool books out there. Um, there is, uh, I spent, I think it's probably about two years ago. Uh, yeah, we've had, you know, I've loved two stroke. I've done, I spent a lot of money uh, testing and blowing things up. You know, that's <laughs> been part, that's part of my education. Um uh, and there's only there was uh, there's only been a few people actually that would be willing to share like the information like for real. A lot of the guys give like the information in twisted forms, um, and then later on I find out and be like, oh, why did they do that? You know, what I mean, but uh, but probably, I mean, I have like a lot of history and trial and testing, and, and then I bought a dyno to do some confirmation, and then uh, you know so. But as far as like the application of theory. Um, it was, uh, it was literally three years. I was during the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, it was like three years of being on the two stroke research page every day, day and night for like three years mm-hmm. at that, and it's changed. So it's the page on Facebook. It's a two stroke research page. Yep. Um, and it's, it's changed because like, Two years ago, there were like really the historical people were chiming in, mm-hmm. and 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 now there was like more people asking more simple questions. But back when it was you know really banging, um, Fritz Overmars, Jan Thiel, and many other people with way more experience and knowledge that I'll ever be. I mean, I don't have enough lifetime to ever understand what they they've accomplished, but because I was listening to it for three years day and night. And it was just this particular atmosphere. It blew away all the misunderstandings about, you know, how the engines and what parts have to work with what. So I feel like I'm at the base, the very base, like of what those guys know, you know, from here on, I'd have Mm -hmm. to do my development and testing and stuff like that. But, 
forever. We didn't know that you don't use an advancing ignition, you know, with an expansion chamber. And that's what we had back in the day. Um, so then when auto retards came out, that was like a miracle. Mm-hmm. And then when people are going to back to, uh, uh, stock pipes or box pipes, then, you know, not realizing that the way an engine works is that, uh, the fat, the, the higher the RPMs with an engine, uh, the less time it has to breathe. So compression goes down. Mm-hmm. And so all these different things, it's like, okay, so whatever the application you say, okay, if I have this application, I use this ignition, this pipe. And it wasn't for those three years that I finally got like heard it over and over and over in all these different applications to where I was like, Oh, okay, finally I get it. And so now it's like, I can understand, you know, when somebody's having a uh, communication about an engine or engine issue or whatever, uh, because it was like literally a three year day and night education mm-hmm. with the great, with these with these historical great guys uh it just it just turned a page for me. no and i totally hear you and respect that like and there is a lot to be said about um just bl- wrecking shit i mean that's how i've learned a lot of stuff and like i can say for myself and i'm still like this to a point with people but like when i was new and i was even on more fire than i am now about bikes and motors and two cycles and stuff like that i'd ask people all the time and i get probably pretty annoying to a lot of people but like i somehow become the hobbit guy around here it's just because i love hobbits and i understand how to make them go halfway quick but now i'm trying to get into the french game a little bit well among the like, ask, uh, what cvt are you using on your hobbits uh, uh the treat stuff like i've got i've got um i ran that on bakers and i ran i actually i'm running a stock bell right now that i cut uh the inside i turned that um i forget what i turned it to but like i like i like the treat stuff like it's just get a few things figured out with it yet but like bakers it was pretty good for me i had some issues with shredding belts but i think andy and i've got that maybe figured out now but like um yeah i i like that cvt system that they're it's been in development for a while because they want you know how everything is there like they don't want to put out junk well i have the first generation and so per andy i've modified mine so uh but i still have to go through and set it up i have the red spring um and so what spring are you using i you know i've had the best luck with the yellow spring on the you know how they have that and now a lot of people don't know what we're talking about but like i don't care um we you know how the they have that snap ring that's got two settings yeah i go to the setting closest to the final drive and just have it like that and yellow spring on that and just make sure you keep the grease in and yeah i it's it helps it like like i tell people it it does give you a little better bottom end. It doesn't give you any more top end, but it's well, everything's it, balanced and smooth. That's the thing I really like about it. The spring is your rate of acceleration. Mm-hmm. That's what governs your rate of acceleration. Mm-hmm. Uh, what weights are you using? Uh, I would have to, it depends on what setup I've got. Um, I want to say like I'm at 13 to 14 grams. Okay. Like, yeah. And he suggested that, but I think that's because I have the red, and that makes sense for the yellow, uh, because I think for my red, I'm going to have to go heavier. Possibly. Um, 
the thing I liked about the yellower um, I have it placed is it helps the, with the downshift because if you if you had that too far out, um, the down it didn't want to downshift correctly, and I think that was maybe some issues with the last iteration of the rear pulley. And like, you know, it's it's fun to play with that stuff, but like, you don't know how many miles I put on that count. Remember that county road I was talking about that, um, dude. I've spent weekends just playing with that rear pulley and trying stuff and changing stuff. And like, that's why I jokingly always tell people like I'm over here on an Island of myself, just, you know, doing this thing. And I love. Yeah. It's the same thing in Fresno. Uh, I have a full shop. I had a dyno that my dyno, I still have the dyno, but the electronics died, but anyways, but there's nobody, there's nobody, there's nobody here. (laughs) There's nobody. And we had a moped crew going. And this ding-dong guy, uh, I told these people, get fuel filters, clean your tanks, clean your carbs, and put fuel filters on. Nobody put fuel filters on. Every ride they went on, somebody would break down. And the guy convinced everybody that they were unreliable and could never be rideable. And they, and everybody sold their mopeds. I'm not kidding. It was unbelievable. I was just like, oh, why don't you take 30 years of experience and listen to what I'm saying and use a fuel filter? Yeah. And what nope. you're – yeah, I can't believe people. You always run a fuel filter, like you have to. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> so our moped scene died like overnight. Oh, that's rough, dude. It is. After I was like, you know, and, I mean, yeah. Anyway, so I'm the lone, I'm the lone Hobbit guy, uh, and uh, hopefully when I start riding it around again, uh, it'll get people to to bring mopeds out because that's usually the way it happens. Yeah, and I felt bad because like this coffee shop owner that um, he's wanted to get into mopeds really bad. I've sold him two hobbits. He's had both of them stolen and he's locked. And it's not like one, he had a bad cable lock and like somebody just cut it. The second one, he locked it to a fence and they cut the fence and took the bike. Well, he's just got to up his game. I wouldn't be disturbed. I wouldn't let somebody discourage me from riding, you know, uh, well, he's looking to, and it was all near his apartment. He's like, when I get a house and a garage I can lock, I'll get a moped again. He Because he he's got the bug. I'm just like, I will set you up with someone to buy a bike. I'm not selling you any more bikes, though, because I can't watch them get stolen anymore. Uh, do you, are, are you checking to see if they're showing up on the uh, marketplace? Oh, yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... I'm looking, I'm looking at a few spots I think they might be, but yeah, I've looked at marketplace and um that stuff so we'll see we'll see if they ever pop up yeah but um so you talk about some of your builds and stuff like that what plans do you have kind of since the end of the year our year is kind of not over but like the riding season at least minnesota it's about over like do you have moped plans for 2023 like getting out doing stuff or like what's a yeah I mean, I would love to go to a ride. I mean, to a rally in Southern California. Um, I would love to do that, and uh, and I would really like. To, I mean, my Hobbit, it should go together easy, and you know, maybe I'll be contacting you about the uh, setting up the CVT. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have like the first generation, so I don't know if it's going to even apply. Uh, I machined it. Huh? I just... ran all the generations. They're all pretty similar-ish. Okay, cool. Because I did try the 13, but I think that my, my, maybe I have to go to a yellow spring. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
what I'd really like to do is I'd like to put my 103 together. Um, Benji gave me this sweetheart deal. So I have my, uh, eight, I have made a trade um, for some scooter stuff uh, to get a, um, a 103 engine that has a original 80s Molosi never run. And then it mm. also has an original original 80s Bidolo crank. Oh, you got that golden touch there, boy. Like, that's awesome. Right. So then it's never been run. Yeah. And uh, and so I got some Melosi cases from Benji. I got some crazy rear pulley with the big, big uh, clutch on it. Um, I have a Doppler, you know, one of the early ones, the variators. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still got to get the ignition. I still got to get the pipe, you know, stuff like that. I got the radiators. But I would really like to have that for a Southern California ride. Yeah. Oh, it's like the 103 build I'm kind of thinking about doing. I'm just going to go HBI and wire it like I do a Hobbit because then I can get rid of all the French wiring and just make it simple. Um, They have, uh, I don't know if you've seen the ignitions that a lot of the MBK guys and the uh, 103s use. It's a big, massive ignition. Have you seen that? No, I am so ignorant when it comes to French stuff. Like that's why it's, that's why I don't even know the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, but if you look like you know, like the Tomahawk guy, he used to mm. race with these ignitions, right? Mm. I'm thinking, like, man, why would he race with an ignition that was so heavy? Mm-hmm. Well, then it dawned on me back when I was working at High Rev Engineering, they did tests by putting weight opposite of the pto mm-hmm. so that the weight because they were saying as the engine as the power is going out to the pto it causes the engine to deflect internally but mm-hmm. when you have a heavy flywheel on the other side it keeps that crank spinning in a straight plane that makes sense i read a bit of an article um about that and like hpis i start running weights on them this year and it just smoothed them out so much because that's all I run on my Hobbits is HBI, mainly for the 12-volt lighting coil. Right. But um, I think Conan from Sm- Manic Mopeds brought it up to me. And then, like, Shane Johnson, who's a super big French guy, like, they both – I don't know who said it to me first, but it was within the week. And, like, I just said, screw it, I'll try it. And all- it smoothed everything out. I mean – it, I lost maybe a touch, and I, I'm saying just a touch on the acceleration, but the bike idles better. It stays cooler. Like I feel a, I feel the power bands more consistent. So like, yeah, if you're running HBI, I can't recommend the weights enough. That's cool. So I can. Uh, well, they would uh, the direct drive cart engines that would come from Italy would mm-hmm. come with would come with weights uh, to put on their ignitions. Yeah. And oh, so, yeah, know, I could definitely see that. Uh, and I think it was for the rain. Uh, you know what? I don't know why my phone is not charging, and it just told me that. That's so weird. Okay, I well, guess we're just going to keep on going. How? What percentage of uh, battery got left? Uh, it doesn't show me the percentage. It just shows me that it's red. It just, and it's weird because I'm plugged in. I got an extension cord. I'm like, I don't understand. Well. Maybe, unfortunately, this mu- we might have to get wrapping her up, and Al will maybe have to have you back on and talk more theory about pipes. And um, yeah, dude, I just love talking mopeds, and like that's kind of been my that's what 
the podcast has been an excuse for me the last six months is just talking about mopeds and re- reliving the baker's experience. I'm going to have Kelly, I believe, from Never DNF on. She's been a guest before, but I think she's going to be on next week. We're going to talk about their experience. Man, that team. You want to talk about some people with some grit? Oh, they had oh, challenge wait, wait. after challenge. Uh, one second. Your phone's not charging and it's plugged in. Look, dude. Tried it. Went through the whole thing. Sorry, we're going through checking this tactical difficulty. All right, on, dude. Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. We got power. Thanks, awesome. Karen. Awesome. Thanks, Karen. um yeah dude like but hopefully i can she's they're all having the big uh nola smog smog and uh mono ride in new orleans this weekend which i couldn't go this year i wish i could be there it's so much fun i would love to go to out of state rally uh, yeah, my- dude, flying to Minnesota, they're supposed to be having a casseroleers are supposed to have a rally. We'll get you a loner. Like I've promised so many people like loners out of my stable. I'm like, I'm gonna have to get some more bikes running. But yeah, dude, I'll I'll figure something out for you. I appreciate that. We got a crazy schedule coming up because we've just got a new baby business that's starting. Right. Um, I'm hoping that in February, um uh, Pony uh from Lost Boys is having their last snot sickle. In okay. February, and I think it's like Snot Sickle thirteen or something like that. Like they've been there for thirteen years. Nice. So I, I would like he's. I think he's going to loan me one of his bikes. Uh, I'd like to get my Hobbit running for that. Um, but uh, yeah, and then he went up to the uh, Mosquito Rally. Okay, yeah, yeah, I saw some of the Lost Boys there. Yeah, nice guys. Yeah, absolutely solid. Yeah. No, uh, cast rollers. I think they have theirs sometime in June or July or something like that. But you know, whatever, dude. It's I've got a lot of things before that I can even think about doing the in-state rally here. Um, but no, dude, I'm just excited about mopeds. Like it's just like what's to come and what I've done so far. Um, and, yeah, and it's cool the stuff that treats is still coming out with. Oh, thank goodness! And like. And treats and dose like dose I know made a whole had a whole bunch of stuff recast and sold. I think they just did a whole bunch of Minarelli stuff, and wow. I cannot like. I just got some like, and I I don't know if I did it at the top of the show or not, but like, dose is so rad. Like I got some uh, new old stock wheels, some uh, one hundred three wheels, like the three blade that I love. Wow! Um, so like, if anybody is looking for wheels. I if you don't see treats like or whatever, I support all the moped businesses, but definitely hit just email the guys at Dose. Like they will probably find them for you. Like sure. Hobbits treats will have you covered. Like they isn't that amazing what they did? They came out with the Hobbit mags again. They're going to be coming out with brake plates. It sounds like in November. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for all that. Um. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, d- dude, like, now I'm getting all, like, thinking about next year already. Um, oh, I was going to say, have you uh, have you checked out the uh, South Florida uh, drag, pook drag racing? Dude, those guys are nuts. And here's the story about that. If you ever, like, I knew about them, like, what was that, 
four years ago, five years ago. I knew all about that shit because like I went down there because I had my moped accident and I went to go see my mom for like a month or something like that. And I was talking to some people down there and like, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to this drag race. I'm like, what are you talking about? And like, I saw Tyrone and all those guys like talking about this shit. I'm like, dude, that's nuts. And like, I kind of just hit delete on my brain. Like I just didn't think about it and nothing. And then all of a sudden they start talking all this shit on Facebook, which is awesome. And then Jason on Moped Monday had him on. And I'm like, dude, I love these guys. Like everybody's falling for this hustle. Cause like, I think they're fast. I don't know if they're as fast as they think they are, but like, dude, they're freaking rad. I love their, and oh, Ty- nobody can Ty- beat them yet. Oh, Tyrone is on another level. Tyrone's been doing this since he was 13. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually machining some cases for him. You're uh, not supposed to say that because it's all spray-painted junk, right? As I work. Uh, no, dude, well, he knows what he's doing. I'll say that. Oh, no. It's, uh, he's been doing this since he was 13. Yeah. So, and, and so he raced until nobody could beat him and then gave it up and then he got back into it. Uh, but, uh, he, he is a true natural tuner. He can tune by ear. Mm. So that's like, and so I'm not sure what, uh, if he was doing it in the eighth, because if they runs the eighth mile, they'll run nitro. Mm-hmm. If they run quarter mile, they're running, uh, gas and maybe nitrous. So, but I think he's doing 78 miles an hour in the eighth and the quarter because the eighth on the eighth is on fuel. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I could build a road racer, but a drag bike is another kind of experience because it's explosive. It Mm is just barely holding back this thing from grenading. Exactly. Yeah. He has, he has the ability to remember all these things that he's tested and developed to get him where him and Cleveland, I heard Cleveland is also very, very smart. Mm-hmm. about them uh but those guys there's like they brought a they brought a hobbit out there couldn't even touch it no and like those guys i listened to that episode of moped monday and i saw the stuff they do on facebook i know a street hustler when i see one dude he's trolling everybody like because if you're actually running nitrous or if you're running like nitromethane on anything you have to know what you're doing otherwise you're gonna die like you're yeah. gonna, like yes. you are going to seriously hurt yourself if you don't know what you're doing. Like, and they're holding bikes together. Yeah, they know what they're doing, people. Yeah, and it's funny because people assume, for whatever reason, that he doesn't know what he's doing. So when they show up, they get you can just see the shock in their face when they yeah. hear the thunder from these bikes, and it's just like they just, and it's just. It's because they think they have something fast in their neighborhood or wherever they can be the fastest guy in their area. They can be the fastest guy in their state. But what Tyrone is doing is like magical. Mm -hmm. And he's like, like, I've never seen his bike. I don't know him from Adam, but like just seeing the stuff he's doing, like, like I said, like he knows what he is doing. Like are, is there faster builders out there? Probably, but like, not 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 in drag racing. Yeah. Now maybe, Road racing, sure, but road racing is a completely different application. We're talking about something that is explosive, explosive. You no, know, Al, you have a point there. Like, 
And that's what everybody's comparing them to, like these guys who have been fast on the road, like for years. Like, yeah, that if you're doing seventy mile an hour in the eighth mile on a moped, damn, that's moving. That's uh, moving. That's a rocket. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, I've scraped sixty five a few times, but that was a long run. Right. And that was optimal conditions. Like, and that was not an eighth mile. I promise you that. Like. Yeah, dude, those guys, and I I dig that they've got their thing going on down there. And like everybody else in America, I wish they'd be a little more north. But, you know, you never yeah. know. Maybe go down, maybe everybody goes down to that um, well, some guy from rally Ohio. in Florida. Well, some guy from Ohio went down there to race. Yeah, Craig Scott. And like, it sounds like he has learned a lot since then. And like, I'm still not sold on those electron carbs that he was running. Like, was he running? Wait, wait, was he running an electron or a smart carb? Ah, uh, you know what? I can't say for sure. It was, I, a, smart, it was a smart carb. Okay. Cause yeah. I've seen some people try those on scooters and they just couldn't get them to work. That's uh they need, you need factory support because the factory has to make a needle for that application. And if they don't know that application, they're guessing. So then they rely on your feedback being very accurate so that they can make a needle for you for that application. We went through this with the vintage scooters. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Have you um, seen much of that 49cc scoot on YouTube? Mm-mm. Oh, wait, are you, talking about the, wait, are you talking about the Scandinavian guy? Nope. This guy is on the East Coast. I'll send you a link. It's 49cc scoot. He's got a YouTube channel. He is very he does his due diligence on testing and he tried to get electron carb, one of those, and he couldn't get it to work. And he's a very, if you like, I'll send you the link to the show. Was it electron or was it the, it was, that was electron carb. One of those electron ones that were kind of clear looking. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But well, then again, too, the electron, it's like, you know, if you don't know how to jet a Delordo, you yeah. think a Gelar, you know, it's like, it's like if you if you get a key in that's super easy to jet, you're gonna think that all the other carburetors are garbage. You have yeah. to know, and like the Amel carburetors, uh, that's what I was trained on. People hate them because what they don't know is that the British, for whatever reason, puts the air screw where the fuel screw goes. Mm-hmm. So when people are sitting there trying to adjust the fine tuning between their transition. They're doing it. It's going to absolute opposite. So it's driving them crazy. They think the carburetor's junk. So, <laughs> but whatever the carburetor is, it's not a bad design. It just has to, you have to understand the application and you have to communicate with the factory. Yeah. And he was doing that. He was talking to them and they're sending them different needles, uh, our metering rods, they called them, I believe. And like, this guy is smart. Like the Ford, and like I said, I'll send you the link to his YouTube show. Like, it's pretty cool like how he and he has like a spreadsheet is like breaking it down like the the times from like 100 foot to this and that and all that and like that's why I like I think I don't I think those carbs probably work on a bigger CC um bike but I don't I still it's just the same with like electronic it's like fuel um fuel injection on a moped I don't know I think that cylinder is just too small to get it to work correctly no it's a fuel injection uh that has to do with uh fuel pressure so it's really almost has nothing to do with the engine okay. uh but uh but as far as the metering rod technology yeah you know i could see i mean 
I've seen them use it. I've seen a lot of race bikes use them, uh, but I've also seen a lot of race bikes use Delordos. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Pliny carb, like it's which is basically the Delordo carb, is what everybody's told me. Actually, but Pliny carbs, uh, Kahane, Kahane. Okay. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a Kahane clone. Oh, I believe okay. actually, I believe he uses actually uses uh, Kahane jets. Yep. Uh yeah, they do. Um, they use a OKO. No, they use a, the CP carb uses a OKO jet, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but like I said, people like yeah. I've never been so proud to go 35 miles an hour in my life going on top of a mountain uh, outside of um, Red Lodge, Montana on Baker's like that. Talk about a tuner's challenge. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like it's just mopeds and tuning are just, I can't, I have to kind of like, when it comes to all that, I have to not focus on it too much because it comes easier when I'm not trying as hard. Cool. Yeah, that's just that uh, it's you, you do better when you're relaxed. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, um, and the cool thing about to, uh, when you uh, you master a, uh, a moped, you can master a motorcycle oh, or yeah. scooter or anything else. So it's like it's, it's such an awesome platform to learn on. Um, and I mean, I've learned more about two shocks working with my moped. Mm-hmm. They're a little cheaper, a little more forgiving. I'm thinking. Um... But you can still spend plenty of money on a moped. Don't get me wrong. Um, but Al, I think I've got to get going to bed. I appreciate you coming on. We'll have your show up. Uh, probably it depends. Probably I'm thinking Wednesday we'll have this out. Um, definitely we'll stay in touch. Uh, I always appreciate your the stuff you got going on. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on Second Chance Moped Podcast. And don't forget, Al. Mopeds are dumb. (laughs) Talk to you later, my guy. Bye.